Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie Topol Churchhouse and Nathan Calpol Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage. I love to poll. Very flattering comparison. Thank you. And I made like cow poll, so. Yeah, cow is sweet and tastes of cherries. It's nice. I don't. I don't know if they have Calpol in other countries, but for, for overseas listeners, if you're not sure, it's sort, it's like uh, children's cough syrup. Um, <laughs> yeah. And my uh, I had a friend at school who used to bring it on nights out with him. Oh, come uh, on. And like, he would like drink Calpol oh, uh, instead of like lager or whatever because he thought it got him more drunk. I don't think it did. Um, <laughs> he had <laughs> He had the smoothest speaking voice you've ever heard. It's crushed paracetamol inside like... Chewy, like like sweet, thick, delicious goodness cough syrup. When I when we were little, we always used to beg mum for cowpaw if we were feeling ill. And she'd be like, "No, it's too expensive. Here, drink this bitter German juice that tastes like shit." And we'd be like, "No, mum, we need cowpaw. No, you don't." <laughs> we used to put it in the microwave and warm it up to make it taste nicer. What? <laughs> I used Calpol how it's supposed to be used. <laughs> oh, you boring, boring person. Before we get too far down the Calpol rabbit hole, um, we should talk about what we're talking about on today's episode, Ooh. which I'm excited about, um, uh, because we are doing our second episode on uh, the series Star Trek Lower Decks, Yay! the animated series on CBS, which uh, I love and am obsessed with. Um, so today we're looking at episode three and four um which for the life of me i can't remember the names of but uh <laughs> i believe they're called uh, temporal uh, temporal tem- edict and temporal edict and moist vessel moist vessel which is the worst <laughs> name for any tv episode of anything ever um <laughs> i hate the word moist it's awful um but before we get too far into it nathan would you like to describe the plot in the manner in which you are accustomed uh i will do my best so we uh, episode Three. Uh, we begin with Ensign Boimler playing uh, the violin until Mariner decides to kick him off the stage and unleashes a wild rock concert. Yes. Uh, this utterly ruins a negotiation with the Klingons and gets Boimler into trouble. Um, after the opening titles, we learn that Captain Freeman is due to be at a peace summit, but uh, an admiral pulls her away um, on a gift of delivery, which annoys her. It's because no one respects her ship. Meanwhile, in the lower decks of uh, officers' quarters, they finish their tasks and decide to indulge in some buffer time. The tradition of just relaxing together, not declaring the actual time anything takes, because the senior crew don't know how long any of these tasks take anyway. Boimler meets uh, the captain in the turbo lift and is forced to explain what buffer time is. The captain duly installs quotas and timers. The crew decide, eh, we can probably handle this. Uh, the next shot is every junior officer in total panic, except Boimler, who is breezing through his tasks rather easily. Um, Commander Ransom begins readying an away mission to give out the aforementioned gifts, um, explaining the strange crystal-based culture of the aliens that they are visiting. 
Fortunately, the honor crystal is missing. Um, the rush caused a mistake, specifically a sex toy of sworn enemies level of mistakes. <laughs> um, and the crew continues to rush on the ship, causing further problems to arise. Command inputs into the, into the console stop working, and Freeman decides to start doing things herself. The aliens are uh, on approach very angrily, but shields can't be raised, so they manage to board the vessel. Uh, Freeman decides to order the crew to multitask. Um, meanwhile, Commander Ransom and Mariner are trapped in a cell, and it's a, and after chewing each other out and saying what's wrong with each other, they argue about who gets to fight the champion of the aliens, because ritual combat to save their crewmen. Um, Boimler makes his way to the bridge after briefly fighting some of the creatures. They're actually pretty easy. If you've got a phaser, someone with a spear can't really do a lot to you. Um, Mariner wants Ransom to uh, let her do the fight, uh, so after she gives him a speech about, you know, sometimes you've got to do the wrong thing to do the right thing, he stabs her in the foot and gets all the glory. A shirtless Ransom beats the shit out of the creature. It's kind of hot. Boimler <laughs> explains the benefits of buffer time, and so every corner is promptly cut in the defeat of the aliens aboard the ship. Ransom um, ha- gets everyone free, and the correct crystal is promptly presented. Mariner won't be filing a report about Ransom's behaviour, though. Um, Ransom also uh, Ransom, in return orders Mariner to be taken to the brig for not rolling down her sleeves like he asked her to earlier. Um uh, she tells him that um, she will dance in his blood. It's kind of hot. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> captain congratulates Boimler by awarding him the Boimler effect, which is all about not following rules and slacking off. He gets a plaque about being lazy. It also turns out to be his legacy. And we also get a quick discussion of the legacy of the greatest Starfleet officer, Miles O'Brien. Before we we hit episode four, the Cerritos is working alongside a sister ship of its to relocate an ancient generation ship. Freeman tries to brief her officers, but Mariner disrespects her constantly and uh, pushes her to her wit's end. Freeman takes Mariner into her ready room where she angrily tells Mariner that she won't stand for her disrespectful behaviour anymore. This doesn't work, so Ransom suggests that assigning her the worst tasks on the Cerritos might influence her to request a transfer off the ship. Freeman happily accepts this idea. While the others get their orders for the day, which includes Tendi observing a spiritual ascension, Mariner checks her duty and sees she's been assigned lubing the turbo lift, removing the waste from the holodeck, and scraping the carbon off the carbon filter. Uh, Tendi joins the other crew members, uh, but accidentally knocks over the sacred gong, uh, ruining the ascension she was due to witness. Tendi mean, um, uh, goes back to um, O'Connor, the supposedly ascending lieutenant, and um, apologises for ruining his ascension rituals. She gives him a metronome, hoping it will help him potentially finish his ascension, um, but he angrily destroys it. He doesn't want her help. On the bridge, Freeman asks if Mariner has requested a transfer yet, but uh, Ransom reports that weirdly she's enjoying her task despite their terrible nature. Uh, Realising that this plan isn't working, Freeman uh, doesn't seem to be convinced that there's anything she can do to get Mariner to resign. Then she gets an idea that is certain to work. She calls Mariner to conference room 5, and promotes her to her utter shock and horror. She hates the new assignment and feels utterly, utterly uncomfortable as she has to engage thing with things like poker with the senior officers. Meanwhile, in the mess hall, um, Tendi continues to stress about how to help O'Connor ascend, but um, he still refuses to let him help him. Rutherford says, you might be taking things too far, but Tendi simply says that her approach will have to work as she dedicates her... St- herself to studying twice as hard 
Um, <laughs> she also lets uh, Rutherford have her lunch and pudding. So, you know, that's nice. Wemler enters Mariner's <laughs> new quarters, seeing her very unhappy and missing how close everyone is down in the lower decks. And Wemler just starts to wonder what she did to get her promotion. It's, um, you know, everything he wants. And she's not enthusiastic despite being pulled pulled away. The next shot, Tendi is dressed as a priest and follows O'Connor around engineering while chanting a prayer. Um, O'Connor wonders if she has any actual work to do. And Tendi <laughs> replies that she's using all of her vacation up. She tells him that uh, mixing and matching different prayers from other cultures might help. O'Connor begs her to leave him be. Um, she releases a swarm of strange creatures. Um, it's an essential part of some um, ascension ritual or something. Uh, tells her that uh, she's destroyed her chance at his attempts at redemption, and um, uh, she embraces him, trying to align his spirituality. Um, <laughs> I, I, I went into detail on that scene because it's one of the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, meanwhile, Boimler um, wanders around the ship, thinking about how if he broke all of the rules. Um, he might get to get the uh, promotion um, and uh, unfortunately relays all of this over his combat. Um, <laughs> Mariner get, enters Freeman's ready room and um, Freeman takes delight in tormenting her um, and you know informs her that she'll have to attend things like Ransom's birthday party and he was <laughs> singing songs he wrote on the guitar about Barcelona. Um, <laughs> the Cerritos and its sister ship continue towing the generation um, ship, um, but the position of his ship does not reflect well that he's in charge of the mission. So he has the helmsman get them closing without realising this is going to totally tr- screw up the um, tractor beam, and the hull of the generation ship begins to buckle. The two captains argue for a bit about the potential of hull breach, Cerritos loses comms, Ransom tries to execute evasive manoeuvres, um, and is unsuccessful. Um, this a strange fluid is drawn in by the tractor beam, and begins to transform both ships into something else. Um, Boimler deliberately spills hot coffee on, um, uh, on his senior officer's lap to continue <coughs> his bad boy aptitude. <laughs> Evacuations begin, um, force fields start, it's all very exciting. Terraforming is continuing throughout the ship. Um, but Rutherford is avoiding getting hurt because he's got the cybernetic influence uh, implant. Water begins to flood engineering. A coral reef begins to form around the warp core. O'Connor and Tendi are trapped with the water rapidly rising. Um, uh, he vents about Tendi's ruining his ascension, but Tendi simply returns the anger, saying that despite her attempts to help him, he's only been a massive jerk. Um, which is true. And O'Connor seems taken aback by this, confesses his ascension was never going to happen and that he'd been faking it in an attempt to stand out. But the amount of time it took for him to potentially ascend, he was worried the crew would figure that out that he was pretending, and he used Tendi's accident to make it seem like he, it was her fault. Uh, Realising that they were both jerks, they hug it out. But they are still, you know, gonna die, so meh. Um, <laughs> Freeman and Mariner tunnel through the new terrain on board the ship in an effort to reach the environmental control. Freeman keeps concerned about the rock that Mariner is using um, isn't the best for digging, um, which only seems to annoy her further, and they continue to bicker like mother and daughter do. They repel down the shaft using vines that have grown into the walls, and they voices and, you know, continue to voice concern about each other's technique. Um, the water level continues to rhyme, the the room the engineering is nearly flooded, Tendi dives in, grabs one of the glowing rocks which are helping the reef grow as fast as it is, she places it against the wall of engineering, penetrates it, and uh, saves both of them. Um, 
Tendi even refuses to say to, to leave O'Connor, which is nice. Mariner and Freeman exit a Jeffrey's tube and are happy to see the environmental controls are all online. Um, they conclude that some fancy gas would help this situation, so they do that. Um, the gas combats the terraforming. The rock on top of O'Connor vanishes. Everyone laughs. It's all good. Um, and as soon as O'Connor and Tendi kiss in relief, O'Connor begins to red, uh, levitate and ascend, um, which is kind of annoying because you know if you kiss someone, you probably shouldn't. Um, you probably shouldn't ascend. I mean, neither of them seem too happy about it. Um, with the terraforming effect um, neutralized and the feder- and the generation ship brought to the uh, Federation um, outpost. Um, the uh, Mariner and Freeman are both uh, uh, awarded a medal, um, which, you know, neither of them are super happy about. Well, Freeman is. Uh, Mariner is not. Um, Tendi and Rutherford discuss O'Connor's um, ascension in the Lower Decks quarters, and um, Tendi says that, nah, life is too short to be hung up on whether everyone likes her, and Rutherford is pretty happy that she sees this. But... Uh, the other thing that has come back uh, is Mariner. Um, Mariner replies that she's always been pretty good at getting demoted. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Freeman doesn't like looking stupid in front of our admirals. And that's where we end the episode. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> I really like these episodes. I, I rewatched all of uh, Lower Decks again in prep yeah. for, for, for this um, and I, re- I really love it. I think it's really good. T- Temporal uh, Edict it- was actually fantastic. I laughed so much. I think it was a really, really well-constructed yeah. episode yeah. and the story flows so well. And yeah, it was a laugh a minute. I was having such a fantastic time. I think... And it's a very good... Both of them are very good parodies of Star Trek, yes, right? Like, yes. in, a, yeah. in a very like, you know... The whole buffer time thing revolves essentially around a joke that has been going around about Scotty <laughs> since the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like even in 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 the Star Trek film, that's like uh, that, like they they even did it there, like um, the one the one where they go rescue whales. Uh, right early on in that thing, there's a section where uh, it's like, "How long will it take to get this ship flying?" Oh, twelve. Uh, uh, it'll take at least twelve weeks, Captain. But as you don't have 12 weeks, I'll do it for, for you in three. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Kurt goes, Mr. Scott, are your repair times always magnified by a factor of four? Because <laughs> I love it. so true, because he tells Geordie LaForge in Relic, you know, yeah. he says, you don't tell the captain how long it's really going to take you. Like, he's a, you know, he's a good union man. Boss makes a dollar while I make a dime. That's why I crap on company time. That's clearly Scotty's motto. Um, yeah. It is. It is really funny that the concept of buffer time. It's. It's. My cousin used to work for an electricity contractor um, at a hospital, um, and he would actually have to hide in a cupboard because they weren't allowed to finish a job in a slot shorter than half an hour. <laughs> so he would like go to fix a minor wiring problem, get it done in 15 minutes, and then genuinely have to hide in a store cupboard and try not to be found <laughs> before the half hour time slot was up to go to his next job. That, that's when it goes too far. Americans caveat this, you do not have enough unions, but this is a, 
this does not apply to you, but there are some cases where buffer time can be wrongfully applied. Well, yeah, but it also it, it happens in corporate bullshit. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, yeah. there was a there was a guy who delivered a package to me once, right? Like he he was I don't know which delivery company he was with, but like whatever one it was, delivered it to me. Arrived at my student house. It was like, oh great, you know, knocked on the door. I answered it. And he was like, oh, I just need to scan it and then you can sign for it. And he scanned it and, like, looked at his thing and it wasn't working. And I was like, he was like, I was like, is there some problem? He's like, oh, I'm two minutes early. So <laughs> let me, me scan it. I was like, what the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> like, and we terrible. both just had to stand there for, like, a minute or two just being, like, really awkward with each other. And it was just like... Why? Why have we? Why have you set that driver that thing? Like, <laughs> I, I get that you have to somewhat monitor to see they're not taking the piss. Yeah. Like, I can understand why a yeah. company wants to do that, but also, like, you know, surely you can give them some slack either way because you know traffic conditions aren't always the same. Or in this case, like, I am really irritated that like, <laughs> I can't like, get my parcel like, for two I wasn't... minutes. <laughs> And, and, like, I wasn't super, like, I'd only been told it was, it wasn't even something particularly valuable or anything. Like, I can't remember what it is. I can only remember this story about it. So, like, <laughs> it wasn't something that I was super anticipating or yeah. whatever. So, it's like, I would have been fine with it at any point in the day. But it was like, now now it's in front of me and I'm not allowed to have it. I'm now annoyed that, that it's late. Because <laughs> from my point of view, it's now two minutes late. Yeah. Because it arrived and I wasn't allowed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. true. This happened three years ago and I'm still annoyed about it as well. Yeah, this episode does a really good job of illustrating that happy medium where people are actually allowed to make their own judgments and are given that leeway. Yes. Because actually humans aren't machines and sometimes you are going to have a really slow day. And Jeff Bezos may be monitoring your workers every every move and like tracking the amount of time that they go to the toilet actually makes you a bit of a psychopath who probably should have blown up in low earth orbit if you got what you deserved but like <laughs> there is a happy medium and the happy medium allows is like allow employees to make their own best judgments about their working time and the way that they spend it and stop treating them like they're in big brother captain freeman <laughs> <laughs> she goes yeah, completely exactly. off the rails in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I would like. This is a good point to bring this up, right? I would like to point to to suggest that Captain Freeman is the worst Star Trek captain that we've ever seen. <laughs> I do think I really can't argue against that after having watched no, Temporal Edict. Her ship almost falls apart because people are like trying to do basic things but the warp core's not fully aligned because someone else in some somewhere in engineering yeah. hasn't had time to do that because they're still fixing yeah. a fuse under a table and they haven't had sleep in 24 hours yeah. she, she nearly she nearly gets her entire crew killed yes because she, she because she refuses to go on a basic management training course <laughs> yes she like, does and she's so <clears throat> what's that word like narcissistic where she can't even she doesn't even notice that the ship is falling apart around her she's th she's yeah. so navel gazing about her being in the bridge and having to do everything that she doesn't actually realize that they're seconds from yeah. death she's unconsciously incompetent <laughs> yeah i think she's a worse captain than jonathan archer oh that's pushing it a bit far mate I the thing is, like, she's she. I'd rather work for Jonathan Archer, but I'd rather have the universe in Freeman's hands <laughs> because Freeman's got like a competent crew, and like Freeman, 
isn't going to annihilate the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Jonathan Archer. Jonathan Archer, I don't know what I'm getting day to day. Um, yeah, that's true, yeah. Whereas whereas Freeman, I at least know what she's like, you know. She's- like, yeah, yeah. She- it's like Jonathan Archer is like having a cat as a manager. <laughs> Where you're like it, the cat could the cat could be in a perfectly nice mood, or it could be tearing you to shreds and knocking all your shit off windowsills. <laughs> Whereas having like uh, having Freeman is more like having a dog, where you're like, yeah, the dog's a bit of an idiot and it knocks things over all the time, but that I know to expect that, so I'll just put things on higher shelves. Hmm, I would kind of say it's the other way round. I would say Captain Freeman clearly. I mean, nowhere was there the the mother daughter relationship between Mariner and Freeman. Oh, I also think she's a terrible mother. By the oh, way, oh yeah, one hundred percent. But also <laughs> the fact that she is clearly batshit insane suddenly makes <laughs> Mariner's personality a, a lot make a lot more sense. They're both clearly women who have amazing capacity for leadership, are in some ways highly intelligent and extremely good at what they do, but also are completely crackers and just make off the rails decisions based on own personal gratification and gain they're like mavericks to the extreme and it was funny to see freeman's that side of her personality come out in this episode as well yeah there are a lot more there are a lot more i mean as the next episode kind of proves like it was very hard for me to pick what scenes to talk about between them yeah yeah because i can't pick everything and this one cuts so like there's so much action in, in, in Lower Decks. It's one of the harder ones to summarise. But, like, I think one of the best, like, descriptions of Mariner comes from the previous episode where uh, they do the joke. Um, like, this is why Lower Decks works really well, because this is both perfectly in character and an amazingly funny joke. Permission to speak freely? You always speak freely. Nobody can stop you from speaking freely. <laughs> like, you know, when on Star Trek have you ever seen someone be denied? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Freeman and Mariner it, are much more similar than either of them would like to admit. And I oh, yeah. can only aspire to have the kind of chaotic nuisance energy that Mariner has when <laughs> when Commander, whatever his name is, says that, <laughs> says that there's nothing anyone can do to stop her from speaking. Freely, ah, oh, hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they were both um, great characters, and I, it made me laugh quite a lot, and also made me very impressed with Boimler in Temporal Edict that he managed to put aside all of his own personal foibles and his sort of overly needy kind of attention, mm. to, annoying attention to rules, and just obsession with getting promoted to actually make a really heroic decision that stopped the ship from blowing up <laughs> and then got him memorialised for all time as Starfleet's biggest slacker. Yeah. Like, Bormler full-on saved the day. He was he was really yeah. smart in that moment because he was actually loving it, but he still took the fall of saying, even though it's working well for me, actually, maybe I'm the weird one and everyone else does actually yeah. need to slack off a bit in order to, you know, well, have be productive as human beings. This brings me on to a point I wanted to ask Nathan, right? Nathan, as our neurodiversity czar... Um, <laughs> yes, a good start to any sentence. As Carry the on. guru of all knowledge. <laughs> yeah, do, as, as our neuro, neurodiversity czar, do you think that uh, Ensign Boimler might be autistic? See, I've thought about this. I, <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> I, I wouldn't... He might be, like... 
he has some traits of it. The the, the following of a schedule and rules. That's yeah. I mean that's something I do. It's something I know many autistic people do. Like uh, just for just to peel back the curtain a bit. Um, you know the the. The, the fact that we're not doing this recording session at the same time as we normally do all the others is is, is like something that gives me an undue amount of, like because it's like it's not in the because oh, just because Jesus, not sorry, because Nathan. I I didn't no not because it moved because I have a recurring like task and thing on my calendar ah uh, yeah and I, I'm aware that like when it says I'm recording red shirts I'm not recording red shirts and I'm just aware <laughs> that that's gonna bother me all evening that it says that. <laughs> But if I delete it, then the reminder for our regular recording will be gone. But, like, I don't think... I don't think... There's, there's a few other things about him that make me think he's not particularly... Right. He's... Uh, he, he doesn't show... I mean, it's hard because he's a cartoon and therefore <laughs> has very, like, big personality and so does everyone around him. Yeah. Um, like, But, like, evidence that he, he does that's in these two episodes is obviously that schedule following that way he sort of foists his interests on when he's doing his music is very similar to a <laughs> autistic person that hasn't had a lot of help adjusting or yeah. you know when i was a child i'd do that all the time like you know playing things or doing things to people that aren't interested just because you are interested therefore everyone must mm-hmm. be yes um but but Boimler has a much more I want to say, like, theory of mind and empathy that is not typical of a right. of an autistic person. He he reads people very well, he socializes very well, and he is, um, like, I think he, he's just more of a careerist than anything. But, like, you know, it's an interesting and open question. You could read him that way, but I certainly don't read him that way as much as I do Data, who ironically I know definitely isn't because <laughs> he's an android. Yeah, because he doesn't have a brain. <laughs> he has a positronic brain. brain. He has a very special brain. Um, I think you're wrong, Nathan, because <laughs> Boimler was absolutely right to foist his folk violin music on everyone because it was sick. Like, they clearly don't have an appreciation of Celtic fiddle music. It was awesome. I was, like, ready to get up and, like, dance. That's the kind of shit that I want to hear when I'm at a pub. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of folk music. I was devastated when the violin got smashed. I actually screamed, no! And I heard my boyfriend yell from the bottom of the house because I was in the attic bedroom, is everything all right? And I was like, yeah, just a cartoon violin. <laughs> Nothing bad actually happened in the real world. Oh, I love that scene as well because it's another like uh, in joke about how many concerts that they have in Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, yes. Yeah, and they're, and they're always like classical music or jazz or so, like some yeah. cool uh, refined era music. It's never just like fucking rock music. Of course, yeah. like Mariner even even Warp, who who listens to like rock style music, it's Klingon opera. It's not. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh... like yeah, and and you and you sat there thinking like this is twenty four the twenty fourth century or whatever like. Rock music is classical to them. Like yeah. you'd think that oh, they yeah. would be listening to it, like as if it was the way we would listen to Mozart or something. Yeah, it would be like, like Cassandra in Doctor Who, the skin lady, when she's like, and now yes. an ancient Earth classic, and it's Toxic by Britney Spears. If it was, yeah, I, would I mean, just come Star in. Trek again. I would um, just come like... in and play My Vag by Aquafina on the recorder. That's what I would do. <laughs> 
the um, the Star Trek is it with like there's a, a joke that doesn't tr- carry very well where like um, like when they do the time travel in that film uh, mm. the whale film um, I can't remember how it is but like um, Kirk I think asked Spock what his familiarity is with 20th century Earth and he said well I've read some of the uh, literature of the time really. Yes, the classics. And then he lists some authors that were current, like, total pulp. Oh, God, like, Kurt Vonnegut yeah, yeah, yeah. or something, like, that no one <laughs> yeah, reads Yeah, but not, one, not ones that have been remembered. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's so that. spot, that's though. He probably just had some, like, really weird niche interest. Like, the Vulcans yeah. probably took one <clears> look at what's considered, you know, canonical Earth 20th century <laughs> literature and were like, this is pathetic and then decided to make their own little list their reading list of what everyone should read there's also that um bit in the um in the abrams verse films where uh, kirk's listening to the uh, to beastie oh, boys yes, and it, they yeah. refer to it as classical music so good <laughs> oh yeah the sabotage oh so I love good the beastie, boys, they're great. beastie boys are fantastic uh, <laughs> um I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this uh, Commander Ransom and uh, his sort of whole shtick where he's fighting the, the big bad guy and he refuses to uh, to let... Um, uh, I've completely Mariner, blanked on her name. Yeah, refuses to, to let Mariner be involved in it. And then I, I love the, the joke of it because they, they set it up to be like, oh, he's doing it just because he wants to be the matcher one and actually Mariner's probably the one who would actually win and yeah. like, oh, it's going to go wrong. And then he goes out and uh, fights and he, he's fucking nailing it and he like <laughs> properly like defeats him and like kicks the shit out of this but big then guy. But like extra level where immediately afterwards they have that discussion is like we've got to stop doing ritual, uh, ritual <laughs> thing, or we'll never get to use the geo, which just implies that alien champion has been beaten every time. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. I I don't I love it. It's so bizarre to me that he is literally just the toxic masculinity twin of Riker. He's like everything yeah. about Riker's personality reversed in a negative way, but still exactly <laughs> yeah. the same. It's amazing to me that he's he's ridiculous as a character. And like I, I found him really unpleasant and obnoxious, which I think is obviously the point. But I also really yeah. vibed with how Mariner is so furious at him after he's just stabbed her in the ankle. Then and he's stolen <laughs> her glory. She watches him go out and beat the alien then she's like, oh, actually it's kind of hot. No Oh, I don't find him hot. I don't. I'm like, I vibe with that so no. much. That was a very muddy moment. <laughs> yeah, like, I, uh, being distracted I the, from the... certain death by thinking that someone is sexy. That's definitely my life. <laughs> that is a very muddy slash red shirts thing. Yeah. Um, the uh, I wanted to talk about the the champion, this alien champion who they get, who I think is called something like Radnor or something. It's like one of those kind of proper stereotypical uh, generic alien bad I guy names. I am a big dumb alien. Yeah, except he's not a big dumb alien because we learned that because he, he, like, there's a point where he's like, I thought all you could say was your own name and he's like, no, I like to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just, and also at the end he suggests having a when they're thinking of a new way to kill people, he's like, well, what if instead of a death race we had a judge and a jury and <laughs> And he yeah. just gets absolutely shouted out. He's a genius <laughs> and he's underappreciated. I, uh, I want to talk about something in, in both of these, which is which kind of related, is the um, 
like what I refer to as the Star Trek vocabulary jokes, because we have two good examples. In both Sensors. Sensors, yeah. Sensors. It's like, are they? Because that's what gets her demoted. It's like, you know, yeah, I, yeah. No, are you really making fun of me? <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, but also there's the other version, which is like, Starfleet officer describes a thing in like elaborate Star Trek terms. Um, other person, usually Mariner or an alien, explains it at, in simple terms, which is like the... <gasps> I made a mistake, sir. This is the fertility symbol. It's like, you brought us a wooden sex toy! (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. It's like, oh yeah, I guess everything they call like a fertility symbol or something is one of those. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. Thinking of, uh, just as we as we mentioned fertility, um, I wanted to bring up something that we've talked about on the podcast before, but this is the episode that makes it canonical, um, which is yes. one of the jobs that gets given to Mariner is uh, to go and empty the... Um, uh, or, or holodeck is it, waste. Yeah, empty the holodeck waste, uh, which it then later is uh, is said that... that is, I think there's a, the line is something like... Um, uh, I I uh, is it I I got her to clean the cum out of the uh, <laughs> out of the holodeck, which is like the worst job. Oh and god! It, so we we have canonical evidence that that's what. And then someone says, "Really? Is that what it's used for?" And then like, "Yeah, that's pretty much all it's used for." <laughs> so we have canonical evidence that that's pretty much every everyone uses the holodeck as a sort of weird kind of sex parlor. Yeah, I yeah, well, I didn't like... understand that bit because Freeman. Then they then talk about um, Ransom says that she's having to cu- like clean all the beep uh, out of the with the beep out of the holodeck, and then Freeman's yeah. like, "Oh God, is that what it gets used for?" And I'm like, "Surely, surely, Captain Freeman knows that the holodeck gets used for sex." And also, why would they censor the word jizz? That's not a rude word. So my red shirt's headcanon is that he was actually saying something worse. He was saying like shit. She's having to clean yeah. human feces out of the holodeck. Is actually, that what they're using it for? <laughs> there's actually a far worse use for the holodeck. <laughs> that we don't want Computer, to know about. Computer, activate program scat war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually a massive, like, like um, infection of scat fetishes on board the end of, on board the Cerritos. <laughs> and that's what it's being used for. Oh, now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I I like that as an idea that, the, or, or or even that it's not even that like it's not even sexual at all. It's just like no one likes using the Starfleet bathrooms, so they all just have a special like <laughs> bathroom holodeck. program in the holodeck that they go in to have a fancy t- toilet. That's so that's so true. You're like, oh, just need just need a number two. Sorry, won't be a minute. You duck out of the conference room, jump into the holodeck. Suddenly, you're on a beautiful beach in the middle of the Mediterranean. You take a shit on a Greek island. No one's there. There's an <laughs> eagle watching you from above, and it's like five I mean, minutes. That, of that's and genuinely then you pop a back plot. Out. That's genuinely a plot of a Rick and Morty episode. Oh God! <laughs> um, the uh, who obviously uh, there's a link between Rick and Morty and this, so maybe that is what they were thinking <laughs> because yeah. it's made by the same people. Probably it was. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I love that as an idea. I love the idea that someone goes, "Oh, I just need to go for a number one," and then Riker turns up and he's <laughs> like, uh, "Yes, you you called?" <laughs> like, no, no, I I said that I I said that I needed a, a, a streak of piss. Oh wait, yeah, no, you you will actually do. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, poor Riker. <laughs> That's amazing. Poor Riker. Not really poor Riker, though, is he? FOTS Frakes. FOTS Frakes is a legend and definitely approved that joke prior to Jake saying it on the podcast. Yeah, obviously. obviously. Yeah, thank you, FOTS Frakes. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome for the extra exposure, FOTS Frakes. <laughs> I think this episode was really, really funny. I loved yes. the invasion. I loved the dynamic of just Mariner being insane with everyone and then screaming like, I want to dance in your blood when they drag <laughs> her away from the um, med bay at the end. I loved that they put that, that funny holographic graffiti all over the ship. And it makes me really <laughs> sad that they clean it off because it's so pretty. I know it all says something like, you disgusting tree fuckers. We're going to jump <laughs> geodes on your heads. You branch, like you copulate with twigs. But I love it. I think it looks beautiful. You copulate with twigs. That's going to be how I'm going to insult someone. Yeah. I'm just going to remember that. Someone's going to... Because boy, have I come across some people who deserve it. I was like, um... Um, I I also was going to say... that uh, I I really like the the we we briefly mentioned it earlier the end of the episode where we get uh, a little brief uh, look at the future where we see some people being <laughs> yeah. some kids being taught about the history of Starfleet uh, and Boimler gets his own little sort of like uh, legendary status as being the guy who brought in this uh, Boimler effect thing and then they go and then there's that joke that Nathan told us about at the start where they say and now let's look at the most uh, famous Starfleet uh, <laughs> person of all time and the, the bravest and most important person in the history of Starfleet fleet <laughs> and it's just uh, <laughs> I can't even Miles. say it's funny it's just it's Miles O'Brien which is like, funny because like I actually think Mariner in some like not completely and certainly not personality wise is like a comic version of Miles because like one okay. of Miles' character traits in like um, Deep Space Nine is that he absolutely doesn't want to be an officer and promoted to a senior position. Like, he's <laughs> like, you have to go to boring dinners, and then that's the entire plot of the next episode. Yeah, that's is, true. Like, Mariner goes to boring poker nights and has to attend birthday parties and all the other dumb shit that senior officers seem to have to do. Um, <laughs> well, shall we move on and talk a bit about this next episode then instead? Because uh, I-, I think there's some interesting yeah. things in there as well. I do, out of the two, I do prefer. Um, the first one that we looked at. Yeah, but, I think I do too. But. Yeah, but the second one is still really good. Um, so obviously this is the one where they're they're helping a, a to, sort of tow a ship with the tractor beams, a legacy ship, and then it it attacks them and it starts terraforming and everything goes wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I I enjoyed this episode as well. I much prefer the side plot about the. Uh, about Tendi and the ruining the ascension <laughs> to the main plot of the the episode because I just yeah, think it's really funny. It was very. Well, that's strange. why I did the whole. They didn't fit together. The 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 kind of B plot was around actually what would have been normally an A plot where they find this massive world ship. I thought they were going to get a lot of interaction on that ship, but they literally don't. It's just put there and then left to the end of the episode. So I was constantly. Orm kind of getting invested in Tendi's little story, but not really, because I kept thinking it was going to be over. But then it just yeah. kept going on and on and on. And then suddenly at the end, they then bring the world ship back in. I don't think that episode was structured anywhere near as well as episode three, unfortunately. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I feel right. like the generation set could have been got rid of yeah. and they could have had... Because I think you need in order to resolve the Mariner 
Freeman crisis and get the show back to where it needs to be. You need some kind of crisis they solve together. I don't yeah. think. I you don't know, see that could be some technical problem. The ascension. Or some... Why couldn't the ascension have gone terribly wrong? You know, yeah. like Tendi yeah. and the dude make the ascension happen again, or it happened through some comic reason, like they snog, and then that makes him finally ascend or whatever. But but him ascending when he kind of goes all dark phoenix and it's like I can see everything yeah. in the universe. The universe is <laughs> on the back of a koala. What does he know? Why is he smiling? <laughs> and he's just like consumed with this immense power. It Imagine if he'd then like ruptured a hole through the a hole through the hole, and that yeah, had been yes. like the crisis yeah. that everyone had to deal with. And then there wouldn't have just been this awkward flip flopping of like, are we supposed to care about this Telluride dude, or are we not? Like, is he relevant? Is yeah. he not? When are the are we going to look at the world ship? Are we are we not going to look at the world ship? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Tendi's entire subplot is amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the the bit where she's following him around, like I just find that hilarious. Like, <laughs> chanting was like, "What prayers have we been doing?" Well, I've I've, I've chosen a mix. <laughs> That's how religion works. <laughs> well, I would just like to. Um, add to so long-term listeners will be aware of this concept that i have uh, called hashtag sexy space show which is uh, oh, a, a spin-off show featuring all oh, of the characters no. in star trek that i fancy um, and i would like to add uh t- i would like to add tendy into hashtag sexy space show because i have a massive crush on tendy <laughs> oh okay yeah. we see we see how it's going i found it I don't think I really enjoyed that B-plot, to be honest. I found it a bit, I don't know, a little bit annoying. I didn't really understand why. I mean, I guess she had like a really, she has a really obsessive personality, clearly. And when he was telling her to F off because she'd (laughs) completely ruined his ascension, she wouldn't let him go. But I didn't really understand where it was supposed to go in terms of character and plot development. Because at the Mm, end of the episode, he ends up dead anyway and Tendi says that she's learned something from this, which is that she doesn't have to care if everyone likes her. But that's not how the episode worked out. The episode worked out that this guy told her to leave after she'd really offended him. And instead, mm. she nagged him so much that then by pure chance, they realized that they actually would be friends anyway. I don't think that's a very... I don't think that really fits. And then anyway, mm. and then even at the end, when... She says that she, you know, she's learned her lesson. Rutherford says, yeah, I'm sure there are some people who don't like you. She's like, who are they? Where are they? Tell me where they are. So yeah, exactly. she There's no anything. character development at all. What happened with yeah. the There's friend didn't actually... rarely character development in this. Yeah, it didn't actually... I, don't, I just don't think it went anywhere. I thought it would have been more entertaining if, for example, he had ascended or it was like them trying out different comical ways to make him ascend and exploring that a bit further. Yes. And then like yeah. when he ascended, that became a major plot point instead of just a brief comedy moment yeah. about a koala. <laughs> Which was funny. Yeah, but, yeah, but it like it... disappears with no repercussions. I, yeah, I, yes, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was... Yeah, I, I just thought episode four was actually a bit disappointing after how brilliant episode mm. three had been because episode <laughs> three was really something i what i did like about the bit where he does actually ascend and goes all dark phoenix and everything um is that he floats a bit of the sky and goes all crazy and then like explodes into light and then he's disappeared uh but his his boots still stay and then they fall down onto the floor and it's like what why why does the rest of his uniform go with him, but the boots aren't needed in the afterlife or whatever? Like, like being a being a pure energy, you want to cover up your bits, but you don't need to worry about walking anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's unusual actually for lower decks not to comment on that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Usually, there's so like you know when they're traveling down by a shuttlecraft, 
for to that um, thing in my previous episode. Like Mariner is just sat there muttering with like the beam down and just like who's like I will turn off the autopilot. It's like it's an automatic pilot. That's what it's for. You don't <laughs> need to do that. They're called clouds. Like, that's all, you, all this is is you dodging clouds for fun. <laughs> like you know. And 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 usually anything like that gets an opportunity to be yeah to be like shown off or, or laughed at and, and I guess I guess it is still part of a joke but it is unusual like I'm waiting for the punchline almost yeah that. yeah but I, I agree with you um, Maddie that the, the there is sort of an element of the story not really being very fulfilling mm, in that like yeah. you I, I i did enjoy it but then i suppose thinking about it now that you're right like it, it doesn't really it doesn't really gel with the rest of the episode and it would yeah. be better i think if yeah i like that idea of them trying different comical ways to to ascend and it not working and them getting frustrated and then eventually it's a snog that does get them to ascend and then that turns into the big sort of plot point of the episode that nearly destroys mm. the ship or whatever because otherwise I think this sort of terraforming ship that they're using uh, kind of is it's sort of incidental to the entire rest of the episode and it's only I mean, it's a there. good idea but it's also been like that kind of terrifying mass terraforming mm-hmm. mm. I feel like is a plot is a plot arc across the the um, original series movies right yeah like it starts in Wrath of Khan and is is relevant for a few more after that, mm-hmm. and then it's also probably a plot point I've seen on uh, nearly every series of Star Trek I've watched. <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like, there's. I'm pretty sure we even are... did one in um the animated series that had the exact yeah, same kind of yeah. very similar yeah, yeah. plot. It is it's, it's totally obvious. Oh, they find a big empty world ship. Ooh, something on the world ship turns out to be bad. I kind of felt like they either had it as a B plot and an A plot and they were like jumping around, okay, which A plot would fit well with each mm. B plot and they ended up just with this short straw where they had these two to mash together that didn't really work. Or mm. they like fully they'd already fully formed one of the stories and then kind of just sort of wrote the other story around that and it didn't quite yeah. work. Um yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think that it uh, having watched the whole series again recently, I think this is one of the weaker episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do. I but I, as that said, I love the series as a whole in general. Anyway, so like, even though it's a weaker episode, I still like it. It's like oh, yeah. you know, there being it's it's like you know, it, this is like my least favorite child or whatever. You know? <laughs> Your like, least favorite child. Yeah, like oh, I still awful. like him. He's still my son, but like <laughs> the others are a bit better. You know, the others have have got more going for them. <laughs> I'll tell you what this episode does do, do well. The relationship between Freeman and Mariner that we already um, spoke about, the yeah. way that they bounce off each other is very funny. Um, Freeman, I'm just enjoying her more and more as a character because, like I said, she's just she is, compl- like her daughter, completely barking mad. And <laughs> the way that they kind of end up working together and realising they're in sync was very funny and satisfying when at the end Marida then immediately once they're out of that crisis situation where they have to save everyone by working together yeah. they immediately revert to that back that dysfunctional <laughs> yeah. dynamic yeah. where where Marida is yawning in front of the admiral <laughs> and Freeman's like losing her mind because all she wants to do is try and impress him but Marida literally does not give a fuck what anyone thinks about her <laughs> and will just say what's on her mind I mean I think it's interesting that Lower Decks has 
fewer mad admirals. Mm. Like, yeah. <laughs> they've got a mad captain instead. Yeah, they've got a mad <laughs> captain instead. And, like, all Star Trek captains are generally, like, reasonable authority figures. Mm. And when they lose it, it's generally a plot point. Like, you know, I can yeah. think of episodes where Cisco and Picard, I mean, we've just done First Contact, where they, where they kind mm. of lose it in a much more scary way. But, um, like... This is um, Freeman has always lost it. Like Freeman is on the edge. If anything, the admirals are probably the restraining influence on Freeman. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think which so. is terrifying given what they get up to. <laughs> terrifying well, given of... that they can't pronounce censors. <laughs> censors. Well, speaking of being a restraining influence, um, I, I think we're going to have to wrap up, uh, unfortunately. But uh, just, uh, which is a shame because we've got loads more that we could say, but we'll do more. Um, Lower decks in the future, especially because season two is due to come out next month as we record this. <gasps> so oh, fantastic! We will, uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get some uh, we'll get some new season two I stuff. Need to finish in. it. I, I I delayed the last episode because I thought we might watch oh, it. Oh yay! Um, that would be great. And when I yeah. and when we do that, I'm going to give you all a really sarcastic Vulcan salute, like "Nah, live long and prosper." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> um, well, before we leave, um, we've got to quickly go through the important questions. So, uh, and we'll quick fire then uh, the important questions of this episode. First of all, uh, which character is most likely to wear a fez? <laughs> in either episode, I'll say we don't have to do a separate one for each. Yeah, I was going to say. Do you think I the would... big alien guy that Ramsay yes. defeats would like to wear a little fez when he's thinking very hard and reading lots of books? Yes, that I is exactly be, where I was yeah. going to go with it. <laughs> that, or I may be projecting a little here on my objection to the first question. <laughs> but I think as an act of rebellion, Mariner would turn up to duty wearing oh, a Oh, what yeah, like, yeah, Stroll yeah, absolutely, the yeah. Sup, Captain? <laughs> That's an ancient cultural artifact that we are transporting back to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... e- either that or... Be like, oh, I thought it was in. a good cup for my coffee. <laughs> Look, I paid it yellow you... to match my lieutenant's uniform. <laughs> I think either that or it would be Boimler wearing it to try and give himself sort of some kind of like talking point. Like he'd be like, hey, I'm the, I'm the Fez guy. Hey, 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 everyone. Oh. Talk to me. I'm the Fez guy. Remember me? I've got a Fez. Yeah, he absolutely would. He would do that to try and make small talk in the in the yeah. cafeteria, perhaps. <laughs> well, it's, there's a, an episode in a few episodes time in the series where he gets the replicator to uh, analyse all of the coolest people in Earth history <laughs> and then... Uh, and then replicate a, an outfit that sort of amalgamates all of them. Amazing. So I think that should have a fez in it. That should one hundred percent have a fez in it. Um, okay. Second question then um, is the Klim question. Uh, Klim is a space Karen. So who in this episode is most likely to ask to speak to the manager? I think if Freeman wasn't in charge, she would ask to speak to everyone's manager all the time, <laughs> just because yeah, she'd absolutely. want to take over and micromanage everything in a really chaotic, disastrous way. Yeah, I think that's the only answer we can have for any red shirt, uh, any lower decks is that Freeman <laughs> is a massive Karen. Uh, <laughs> I don't think no. she's like fully a Karen because a Karen would be like, "Excuse me, I'm really unhappy that this thing doesn't." Meh, meh. Whereas Freeman's just more kind of like broadly chaotic yeah. and is like, "I want to talk well, to the manager because I want to do things my way." Yeah. Well, what about then the guy in charge of the um, I was just of the say alien again, planet but... who? 
keeps wanting to have a death race and all that kind of thing because he, he refuses. Oh, I thought you were going to say the captain from the second episode. Oh, like, yes. I'm in charge of this mission. Yeah, yeah there yeah. is him as well. Yeah, actually, he's a, he's a really good show. The Tellerite. Yes, all right then. Yes. All right, we'll go with him. And then finally, uh, the the most important of the three questions, which character in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own cock? I know. Yeah. It is <laughs> the man who does the one-man solo show <laughs> to all of the officers of one one federation many characters, I think the show is called. <laughs> and you know that he does improv. Sorry, Nathan. But you just know that he does. <laughs> When he turns around yeah, and no, he's he like, knows. hello, it's me. And it zooms in on his face and then like zooms in on Mariner. And she's like, no, <laughs> you know that he subjected them to some awful, God awful performance art for like yes. way too long. And then all of the officers had to clap and be like, yes, yes. And pretend they're intellectual. Oh, well, I found it very <laughs> fascinating when he was performing self fellatio. Oh, yes, it was. A, I could see that it was a great exploration of the, the intimacy issues between the different cultures within the federation or some utter <laughs> bullshit that's 100 yeah. what happened yeah I, I mean my suggestion was going to be uh, commander ransom that uh, <laughs> in in that year that he spends in barcelona yes. that we hear about i reckon he's definitely tried to do it there in one of his songs on the guitar that he's going to play I is agree. about self-fellatio that probably sounds right yeah <laughs> he, he's going to sing the song and say that actually loads of sexy spanish ladies um were like sucking him off during that yeah. year um, but in reality, <laughs> he was just doing it himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's about it then, isn't it, for this episode? I've had a really nice time. It's been a good, yeah. it's been a fun episode. Um, we'll be back next week. I don't know. Do we know what we're doing next week yet? Well, I was just going to say, before we mention that, do you think when Captain Ransom's talking about going to Barcelona, is he talking about Barcelona? Spain, or is he talking about the planet Barcelona that keeps oh, getting yeah. mentioned in Doctor Who? You know where the dogs have no noses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I head cannon. It's the the planet Barcelona. That's my my yes. theory. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do do we know which episode we're looking at next week, or is it going to be a bit of a surprise? No, I think it'll be something TOSE. Uh, cool. We also haven't visited Voyager in a bit. That might be fun. Cool. Well. Um, well, listeners, it will be a bit of a surprise for you, but it will be something along those lines. So uh, that'll be fun for you. Uh, as ever, if you uh, could uh, give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, it really helps. We've had a few and uh, we're really thankful for those. Um, you can get in touch with us on social media at RedShirtsCast on uh, Instagram and Twitter or send us an email, uh, RedShirtsCast at gmail.com. Otherwise, all that's left to say is live long and prosper and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, Lou. Uh, Live long and prosper. Sarcastic Vulcan handwave. <laughs> 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 <laughs>